0: Warning the following podcast contains angry words. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by ziprecruiter.com and by one final round of our Mike Pence in five words or less contest. Today we have three winners to close it out. Kurt had male bathroom symbol first draft, Psycad went with Voldemort LARPing as Beaver Cleaver. And multi-repeat champion Caleb had Alec Baldwin's Stephen Baldwin impression. Well will play it all around. Next week, we're going to switch over to Jeff Sessions. Tweet us your best five words or less using the hashtag #SessionsScathe, And you could be the next winner. And now, Scathing Atheists. Hi, this is Rachel from the House of Atheists on YouTube. And we did, in fact, evolve from Filthy Monkey Men. Oh.
1: Is June 22nd. And Sean Spicer
0: should check out ZipRecruiter. I hear they're great. <laughs> <laughs> I have no illusions. I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. I'm from New York, New York. Secret Lair, Pennsylvania. This is Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode... Ken Ham blames us for his failures. An article about a couple who claims to photosynthesize gets unironically published by The Sun. (laughs) And Marissa Alexa
2: McCool will be here to get that Freitag pyramid kicked into the upswing. But first, the diatribe. If you've listened to this show for long, you already know that I'm a real big fan of Hemet Meta's Friendly Atheist blog. For my money, best one-stop shop for atheist news on the internet. And while I don't always agree with every opinion expressed on that blog, you know, friendly and scathing are conflicting goals sometimes after all, Hemet and his team of contributors do as good a job as anybody keeping the internet informed of the atheist issues of the day. So I want to make it clear before I spend the next five minutes furiously ripping a post on that blog to shreds that I am and will remain a big fan of that site. Now, the post in question was written by Terry Firma, a normally excellent blogger that does a normally commendable job, but utterly failed to do so last week. Uh, But before we talk about his opinion kind of stuff, let me lay out the facts of the case. So the headline he's talking about is about Jaylene Hinkle. Uh, She's a player on the U.S. women's soccer team who withdrew from all the matches the team was playing in the month of June. um, And officially, she cited personal reasons for her absence – Unofficially, though, her social media activity and previously stated opinions strongly suggested it's because the U.S. team was donning a rainbow-infused jersey for Gay Pride Month, and she was too Christian to have a bunch of gayness all over her tits. Now, since her decision was made public, Hingle has been roundly and rightly criticized on social media, but Terry Firma's recent post on Friendly Atheist pushed back against the pushback, and I want to push back against that. His article starts off by posing a series of what he seems to think are analogous hypotheticals. Right? Imagine you're on a sports team that wants you to wear a, a, a pro tea party message on your jersey or, or a jersey with a with a Bible passage condemning gays. Wouldn't we support a person who refused to wear those jerseys? So, yeah, that's how long it takes for this argument to fall apart. I mean, let's acknowledge, as the article does, that nobody's saying she shouldn't be allowed to do that. They're just saying she should be shamed and ridiculed for it. And she should. Gay pride isn't a political message unless I don't think gay people should exist as a political position. It's substantively different than being asked to endorse a set of economic policies. But there's a lot more wrong with this post than analogies that aren't analogous. And the problem at the heart of this argument is one that I see often in atheism and skepticism. This idea that standing up for your beliefs can somehow be divorced from the merits of those beliefs. Right. If one religion forbids somebody from eating shellfish and the other forbids them from accepting gay people, those are not equivalent propositions on the acceptability scale. Refusing to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance is not the same as refusing to stand for equality. And again, it's not like anybody is arguing she shouldn't be allowed to have those beliefs. As Terry Firma acknowledges in his article, no sponsors are threatened to boycott the team until she publicly apologizes and wears a really gay shirt. I mean, I'd support them if they were, but they're not. What is happening is that some people online noticed a bigot being all bigotty, and they responded with the kind of public shaming that normally goes unchallenged. Okay, (laughs) unchallenged is a bit much. I've been on Twitter, but unchallenged by progressive pro LGBT rights bloggers like Terry Firma. Anyway, so the article goes on to argue not only that we shouldn't castigate Hinkle, but that we should support her since we all benefit from living in a world where it's okay to express unpopular opinions. As though there were a binary choice between supporting her bigotry and criminalizing it. And and it's while he's trying to justify that point that Terry dives into territory, I think he owes us an apology for. Quoting from the article, and it's a long quote, and there's a lot wrong with it, so just bear with me. Quote, I've heard nothing to suggest that Hinkle is anything less than cordial and professional towards LGBT soccer players and personnel. If she were, in fact, to scold and castigate them, a la the abominable Margaret Court, thereby creating a hostile work environment, that would be a different kettle of fish. Then I could see grounds for disciplinary action and possibly dismissal. But we're not talking about behavior or even an openly hostile, toxic attitude. We're talking about an article of faith. Wrongheaded and prejudicial, though that belief appears to us, there can be no doubt that it's legal and, thank goodness, protected. End quote. Well, shit, I'm sorry, I didn't realize some of her best friends were black. I, I mean, yes, okay, being openly hostile is a worse form of bigotry than being closedly hostile, but that doesn't make the latter acceptable. I mean, I'm not gay, so I can't say for sure, but I feel like somebody publicly saying I shouldn't exist or I shouldn't have pride or that my love doesn't count, that's going to make for a hostile work environment, even if they're crazy nice to my face. And yes, by the way, of fucking course, we're talking about behavior. If her prejudice didn't affect her behavior, we wouldn't even be able to talk about it. And the fact that her bigotry is motivated by an article of faith is no more exculpatory than the guy who says he only hates Mexicans because of the one that took his job. No excuse for bigotry stands up to the light of reason, and shame on anybody who would suggest otherwise. Now, if you're not convinced, right, if you disagree with my take and you want to defend this article, have at it. As me and Terry Firma clearly agree, that is your legal and protected right. But before you do, I want to ask you a quick favor. Just reread the article. But as you do, try to swap out gay for black just imagine that on black history month some athlete refused to play rather than don a logo about racial harmony and let's suppose that upon investigation their social media post was peppered with messages that decried interracial marriage would anyone give a fuck if those social media posts cited a biblical passage would anyone hesitate to call for that athlete to be fired would any liberal atheist bloggers come rushing to their defense i feel like no and, and you know what? Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe Terry or, or somebody else listening would say, yeah, you know, that is what had happened. But I'd rather live in a world where that theoretical racist athlete also wouldn't see their job threatened. And we can disagree about that, too. But if we do, let's at least agree that that's what we're disagreeing about. And at a minimum, let's all admit that all bigotry is created equal.
0: They're talking about your Jesus. interrupt
2: this broadcast and bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the Bert and Ernie, a blasphemy, Heath Enright, and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to put down both the ducky and Jesus? I think (laughs) it's pretty clear that like Heath and I, Bert was the
0: top. (laughs) 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 Either way, if we're a gay Muppet couple, we're obviously Dr. Bunsen Honeydew Uh and uh, a slightly smaller Dr. Bunsen Honeydew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, shit, now I have to... Google is something
2: to make sure that Rule 34 still holds. So let's take a quick break to tell you about our new sponsor this week,
1: ZipRecruiter. Hi, I'm Eli Bosnick, and I'm No Illusions. And before we were podcasters, we were both bosses.
2: Bosses for toy companies. And the hardest part about that job? Hiring good people. Or just not
1: crazy people. Yeah. Like... The time a guy literally brought a puppet into an interview
2: and then the puppet begged me for a job. Or the time that guy's literal answer to what did you like most about your last job was they didn't get on to me much if I came in late. Or the Christian dance couple. Yes, Christian
1: dance couple who insisted on working together in their interview. Like on the same station at all times as a duo. The point is Hiring is hard, but it doesn't have to be, thanks to ZipRecruiter.com. With ZipRecruiter, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then, their powerful technology efficiently matches the right people to your job, better than anyone else. Better, for instance, than the time a friend recommended his buddy for an interview who told me he wouldn't take the job
2: if it meant he had to buy a black shirt. That's why ZipRecruiter is different. Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you, it finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter get a qualified candidate in just 24 hours, unlike the weeks of meetings at a nearby deli that used to be our hiring process. No
1: juggling emails, calls to your office, simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. And never, like me, call a candidate to find out that the number they gave you was their ex-boyfriend's house and he starts screaming at you because he thinks they're the ex's secret lover and you explain that it's for a toy company job and he doesn't believe you and so you send him to the website and he starts telling you how he's gonna attack you so you just hang up and you're like afraid for a month and a half. None of, none of that.
2: Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. Not people like the actual woman who said she wasn't coming all the way uptown for an interview if I couldn't guarantee her a job. And right now, you can post
1: jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right, free. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com scathing. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing. Because nobody should ever be challenged to arm wrestle during an interview again. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash scathing.
0: And now, back to the headlines. In our lead story night, from the No Duh file, a new study might have a lead on why our show is getting so flinging, flanging political lately. <laughs> and as many of you already know, it's mostly Eli's fault. For uh, hating freedom and still being friends with Steve Shives. Oh. I knew
1: it! I knew it!
0: And knowing is half the
2: battle. Right,
0: but it's not just that. No, of course, there's it, uh, a whole other half. <laughs> yeah, it uh, turns out it might also have something to do with religious leaders becoming more politically divisive. Huh. Who knew? Yeah. Uh, also, Darth Vader is Luke's father. Yeah, right. So everybody
2: Yeah, knows. also that stripper's only pretending to like you. It's not a good size and death panels are actually a good idea see if the sick people all die everyone will be
1: healthy i've been saying this for years
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh the survey is called partisan pastor the politics of 130,000 american religious leaders and the numbers are pretty much exactly what you'd expect religions full of mostly educated people like reform judaism have leaders who tend to be liberal and the shitty ones with way more ignorant people (laughs) they're all shitty like evangelical Christianity way shittier shittier, have leaders who lean heavily conservative thus confirming what we knew all along that socialism is good and Christianity stupid also that this study was uh, kind of a waste of money again fucking doy. Uh, but most importantly, we learned that if the Jews did a better job on the cover-up when they killed Christ, America would be a better place. That's really... What well, we mean, like. I mean,
2: they've learned that lesson. If you want to know how thoroughly, just look for any direct evidence that they were behind 9-11. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, what an amazing summer. I don't want to go into it,
1: but guys, it was a huge production. We were all so proud. Uh, it was like the last day
2: of camp. Eli, those pretend to be fall. grieved. <laughs> pretend to be grieved, Eli. Remember, we're going outside now. Oh, no. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes. So, uh, <laughs> so despite church attendance uh, getting smaller. The study found that religious leaders still have more influence in shaping political opinions than any other group of professionals in the country. Oh my god, that's depressing. Yeah, and <laughs> that's why our show about religion is also naturally going to be about politics too. Yeah. We're just following where the news about religion takes us. So I mean, if the evangelicals start handing out copies of a, a modest proposal next year, all of a sudden the show's going to get a lot more about food. Be a lot more <laughs> food. Please. We go where
1: it takes us. Right, but but just in case nobody give Paul Ryan a copy, I feel like it's not out of his wheelhouse. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and speaking of which, in meat <laughs> is Murder News tonight. You know, we talk a lot about
2: Abrahamic extremists on this show, and it can be a real bummer. Hey, yeah, uh, bummer. Uh, yeah, terrorism's a real downer. Yeah, mm-hmm. and rising theocracy is quite uh, lame. <laughs> you guys Ugh, get it. Gross. So it's nice to step out of the norm once in a while and
1: deal with Hindu extremism in the form of me trying to give an example of something silly that Christians would never put up with. Namely, recent speaker at the Hindu Rashtra conference, Sadvi Saraswati, who called for everyone who eats
2: beef to be hung in the public square. Oh. <laughs> Well, I mean, okay, Uh, if they order it super well done and put ketchup on it, sure. Yes, in that (laughs) case. Thank you. And and I just want to say, fuck all the goddamn steak apologists out there. Like, oh,
1: I could have it how I like it on the one eating. No! They wouldn't cover it in marshmallow fluff for you, and they
0: shouldn't burn it into a charcoal brick just because you don't have taste buds. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I agree, but you order steaks... A la textured soy protein. Not sure you really have any standing to judge. What's that? Yeah. Well, I have the
1: grace and dignity not to pretend the food I eat is anything but the nutrients to keep me from dying. That's what says. Speaking of my veganism and superiority, I also call for the public slaughter of carnists, as I call them. But Saraswati, or to call her by her rap name, S squared, didn't stop there.
0: She's also afraid of Muslims, specifically. Love, Jihad. Love, Jihad? <laughs> Picturing a very different ending of the sign scene from Love, Actually. Feels like <laughs> love Just drops the last sign. He's wearing a bomb vest. Yeah, I get it. I get it.
1: <laughs> See, I was thinking of a very different ending scene for Love, Different, but you know. No, Love, Jihad is a special kind of paranoia aimed at the practice of an older Muslim man marrying a younger non-Muslim woman for the sole purpose of converting her. And it's such a problem for S to the Arswati that she recommended quote <laughs> stocking arms what? so that they will not be destroyed in the future yes <laughs>
0: So, uh, first of all, S.S., not a great rap name. Also, uh, <laughs> like I'm just picturing like, an action movie where she shoots the engagement ring out of a Muslim guy's hand at the last time. <laughs> no. I don't. Coming this fall.
2: Or, or maybe forever hold your peace, but like peace with an eye, like a gun. It would work on the poster. You'd get it if you saw I'd it, it. I'd watch it. I'd
1: watch it. Now, we should note, as I said at the outset, that the group who put on this conference is known for their extremism and have had members arrested for being associated with assassinations and extreme declarations like this one in the past. But it's nice to spice it up every now and then with some crazy that's not in our backyard. You know, it's refreshing. Yeah. It's refreshing.
2: Yeah. No, it's nice Well it lasted. Meanwhile, back in our backyard, I'm going to bring the mood down with the story of a four-year-old being hog-tied with duct tape at a Christian daycare center. And I'm going to do that knowing fully well how inappropriate the jokes Heath and Eli are going to make are. So it's really my fault, I guess. I mean, we could introduce quiet reverence as a reoccurring
1: segment. I'm just saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, I think it's upsetting that Noah would suggest jokes during the quiet reverence time. Yeah. Have some respect, Noah. Yeah. I mean. If we weren't here to draw lines for Noah, the show would get way out of here. Right, yes. We are the voices of stability and reason. Thank you. Right. (laughs) So
2: this story takes place at the Zion Lutheran Learning Center in Valley Park, Missouri. And the catalyst apparently between the daycare worker in question and farm animal based torture punishments was a four year old girl's refusal to lay still for her nap.
1: (laughs) Nap time. Such a stupid practice. Kids don't need fucking naps if they don't want to yeah, take naps. If they get
0: tired at night, they go to sleep. It's bullshit. I'm with her. I'm I'm with the four year old. That's what I'm saying. Well, um, yeah, yeah okay. Well, I mean, I'm I'm also on the side of the little girl who got hogtied. But <laughs> but the pros and cons of nap time don't really factor yeah. <laughs> into my opinion. It's a weird thing. make me. You can say no.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, he can. Yeah. Uh, according to a local report, the Riverfront Times, the incident was known about throughout the daycare center, but was not reported to the state. And the perpetrator, who admitted to the behavior, apparently, wasn't even disciplined, let alone fired from the article. Quote, the supervisor the parents spoke with laughed it off as a silly thing and suggested that Reeves, the hog tire in question, might need to take another training course. The parents have, of course, sued the daycare for false imprisonment, assault, battery, negligence, negligent supervision, negligent retention and civil conspiracy. Yeah, I'm guessing that meeting turned awkward pretty
0: quickly. I bet. Hey, thanks so much for coming in. Yeah. Yeah, no problem. Uh, What seems to be the issue?
2: Well, it's it's about little Jane. Uh, She is just not holding still during nap time. Oh, no, really? Yeah, really big problem, very disruptive. I mean, I literally had to hog tie her with
0: tape today. So um, if you get a wait, chance. Wait, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You hog tied our, our child with duct tape.
2: Yeah, yeah, because, you know, she wouldn't hold still how far the out. Now, obviously, we can't go through this every day. Yeah, know, with a, yeah, I would say that. Sure. Right, because, uh, you know, of the tape cost. I'm sorry, what with, are you doing? What
0: is happening?
1: Oh, I'm just moving some chairs around so I can beat the shit out of you. Mm. So you can... um.
0: Yeah, beat the shit out of you. Yeah, hon, will you hold my purse? Yeah, sure, sure thing. sure thing. Hey, what's your blood type over there? They're, they're going to ask at the hospital and stuff. I, I don't... <laughs> 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 no, I want to be
2: clear here because somebody out there probably thought to themselves, hey guys, if a kid got abused at a secular daycare center, you wouldn't be holding that up as an example of the problems with secularism. And that much is fair. I mean, there's no sanctified secular instruction book that tells you to beat your child. But there's also no biblical doctrine that tells you to hog time with duct tape. But the problem and the thing that makes this newsworthy is that in 16 U.S. states, religious and secular daycare are not created equal. 10 states offer way more lax regulations to get a license if you call your daycare center religious, and in an additional six states, religious daycare centers aren't required to get a license at all. Missouri, by the way, is in that latter category. Yeah, it's not all Christian bad behavior deserves the spotlight, but if
1: you keep dropping off your old dildos and quaaludes at the church's <laughs> state law, we're going to point it <laughs> out when some butt <laughs> stuff goes down.
0: And uh, speaking of dildos... Quaaludes and spotlights. Maybe we put Christianity on a no kids plan for a little bit, <laughs> or forever. Just now, like, yeah, yeah. I'll watch him. Nope. See how easy that was, Francis. See how easy. <laughs> All it takes. And then I would have got away with it Two News tonight: Pantene Pro V Antidote and guy who looks like <laughs> crime-solving kids often try to pull his face off, only to find it's not a mask. Ken Ham. <laughs> doing some thinking about why his giant boat filled with lies themed theme park is a miserable failure. And the answer is Uh, 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 us, apparently. Really?
1: Uh, (laughs) Damn,
0: I was hoping the answer was insufficient parking. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Plenty of parking. The problem is us people. In a recent post on his Answers in Genesis blog, Ham got confused about what several words mean and wrote the following whiny nonsense quote recently a number of articles in the mainstream media and on well-known secularist websites have attempted to spread propaganda uh, read numbers reported by ken ham to brainwash the public read inform the public into thinking read knowing that the (laughs) ark encounter attraction is a dismal failure read extra dismal abject (laughs) failure
1: like he got a pep talk from my therapist well how do you define failure
0: ken (laughs) (laughs) continuing the quote sadly they atheists and the secular media Mm -hmm. are influencing business investors in such a negative way that they may prevent grant county kentucky from achieving the economic recovery that its officials and residents have been seeking end quote you hear that, guys? We aim for a war against giant boats
1: of lies, and Grant County, Kentucky gets caught in the crossfire. I hope you're
2: happy. I hope
0: you're happy. Well, if you want to make an omelet... <laughs> I am happy. And I do want to make an omelet. So I'm make an omelet later. Anyway, among the secret Satanist media sources conspiring against Ken Ham are uh, apparently all the people who gave him money in the first place. Oh, really? Uh, Grant County Executive Steve Wood said of Ham's multiple broken promises, quote, it's a really bad deal for taxpayers. It was a shock for me because I didn't really know all the details. Maybe I should have. Maybe, maybe, maybe he should have.
2: If only there had been some mainstream media or well-known secularist
0: (laughs) websites to (laughs) warn him. But uh, he's not the only one. The Williamstown mayor had a rather short and sweet comment. About how much the park has benefited the area, saying, "quote There hasn't been any commercial development here." End quote. <laughs> Adding, "It's gone, all gone, damn you." <laughs> but uh, Ken Ham is undeterred. He went on to say, "quote We are in a spiritual battle. Is that it? And the intolerant secularists are so upset with such world class attraction, sick like the <laughs> Ark and Creation Museum." that proclaim a Christian message. They will resort to whatever tactics they deem necessary to try to malign the attractions, end quote. And sometimes that tactic is, math. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, saying numbers, n- not even math, just counting. It's like <laughs> one Ark Park visitor. Ah, ah, ah. Two <laughs> Ark, nope, that's a protester. One <laughs> Ark Park visitor.
2: Well, I, for one, am glad to know what an inordinate sway we hold over the investor class. And I'll do my best not to abuse it and to legally insulate Eli when he inevitably does. And I'd like to announce the IPO for
1: your Lyme disease. Get in while you can. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) (laughs) And in this is why no one doesn't let me touch the money news tonight, gentlemen, Scholar and my personal hero, Alan W. Fensky is in hot water this week after confessing to having spent fifty thousand dollars
2: of church money on prostitutes from Craigslist. Wow. Well to be fair, if, if the water gets hot enough, maybe it'll boil off all those crabs and the fungus.
0: No, so. it will not. Just saying not
2: let our <laughs> listeners make mistakes we've already
1: learned from on
0: this show. someone may or may not have pressed tea kettle to their penis this week someone may have may have <laughs> and uh also put his dick in a beer bottle to win lose a bet also maybe maybe uh, okay and uh just circling back real quick if you were in charge of the money you'd buy prostitutes on Craigslist?
2: <laughs> Buy prostitutes wherever they're sold, Heath. It's not, really a, it's not really a marketplace thing. Oh, all of a sudden the Zales thing is out the window when it comes to huggers. Okay,
1: I see. Now, Finsky, who is the hero Gotham needs and deserves, served as the secretary <laughs> treasurer for Hawley United Methodist Church and pled guilty to taking the money. He was sentenced to 20 days of electronic home monitoring and was ordered to repay... $30,000 of the money he stole. What? I assume because what, anyone who can spend fifty grand on Craigslist hookers is automatically entitled to some $20,000 I guess, yeah, I guess. <laughs> so.
0: You would think maybe fifty. Well, maybe the prostitutes were African-American. Oh, Jesus <laughs> is, Christ. Is the church up to point six yet? Oh, wow.
2: <laughs> I just see the jury sit there going like, look, y'all, it's not all bad that the money went to hookers instead of missionary trips. I mean... 60% bad at most, I figure. I mean. <laughs> People still got fucked. I'm just
0: saying. Yeah, he, like right. he had fun. But less spreading of AIDS. I get it. It's a good jury. It's a good, jury. <laughs>
1: good jury. Good jury. That's what lawyers say at the end. Give them a slap. <laughs> but don't worry. This story has a happy ending. Thank you. Thank you. Is, is, Thank you.
2: is that what you say after a happy ending? That's, that's kind of weird. <laughs> No, of course not. They don't speak English. (laughs) (laughs) But everyone understands. Jenga!
0: (laughs) Jenga!
1: That was a very unpopular ad campaign for them. Can I just say (laughs) that? They sold less board games, if anything. Anyway, prosecutors are totally fine with Fenske not serving jail time since he agreed to pay back more restitution than they could charge him with. And the pastor of United Methodist has said he confessed. I assumed penthouse, and made amends, <laughs> and that Fenske's actions have made them, quote, stronger as a church, end Wait, quote. Really, like
2: architecturally? <laughs> <What's that mean? laughs> it's like Spackle. He yeah. presses so, them against the boards and you know, makes <laughs> sure they're hammered in. Exactly. <laughs> I just want to say.
1: So, you know, when it all goes down, I feel like you guys will be mad at me. But think about how much stronger as a podcast will be on the all right
2: side. All uh, right. Speaking of which, I need to fiercely apply some stop payments and have another difficult conversation with Andrew. So while I do that, <laughs> we'll hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. A man wrote the Bible. A whore is what's If it's a legitimate race. It's it a slut, right? Cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man.
3: This Week in Misogyny. misogyny. You know, with the American political system steadily moonwalking away from progress, it's easy to narrow your scope and lose track of the fact that the rest of the world is sinking too. So with that in mind, I'd like to take you on a quick international tour of sexism. And this week's segment is going to take a page out of the Schlieffen Plan and start off in Belgium. This story comes to us from The Independent by way of astute listener Michelle, and it's the story of one of those women's only premieres of the new Wonder Woman movie. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, not sure how I feel about those. Sure, they're harmless, but just as sure, they're sexist. So I haven't weighed in on the controversy around them. But no matter how you feel on that, I think we can all agree that if those screenings include a gift bag to all of the lucky ladies out there, that gift bag shouldn't contain a toilet brush, a dish sponge, and a pamphlet for diet pills. And yet, at one Belgian theater chain, that's exactly what the women who showed up got. Now, further apart, the chain responded to online outrage with an apology that basically said, shit, we should have asked a lady, huh? But we see why you're pissed, though. Sorry, won't happen again, which is I'm pretty sure what it says under you bought a woman a toilet sponge in the secret rule book boys get when their balls drop. But if I have to put a positive spin on that story, I can at least say it isn't terribly consequential. And regardless of how misogynistic it was, most of those ladies probably really did need a new toilet wand. But this next story out of Northern Ireland is definitely consequential. And what these ladies are going to need the toilet wand for is a lot more disturbing. And of course, I'm talking about abortion. So, yeah, coming to us from the you may also like thing at the bottom of the last article is a ruling by the U.K. Supreme Court that says that women in Northern Ireland, unlike those elsewhere in the ever less United Kingdom, will not be entitled to free abortions from England's National Health Services, despite the laws that say those are available to all women in the U.K. They tried to justify this decision by hiding behind respect for the democratic decision of the people of Northern Ireland. And don't get me wrong, that's something that should be respected but maybe not over and above the rights of women. Speaking of which, no international tour of sexism can stay out of the Middle East for all that long. So we're going to bring our Indiana Jones-style dotted line to a rest in Iran, where women are increasingly engaging in a silent protest against the laws that require them to cover their heads so that Allah doesn't ejaculate all over himself at the sight of a naked scalp. Or so Bill Cosby won't offer them a drink, however the hell that's supposed to work. The protest was a brainchild of Masai Alanjod, whose name I apologize for mangling, who founded a group called My Stealthy Freedom in an effort to protest Iran's oppressive and sexist mandatory dress code. Alanjod is asking women to post pictures online wearing white headscarves or other white clothing with the hashtag White Wednesdays as a legal protest under a regime that doesn't much care for protest. With that brief glimpse of good news, or the promise that maybe good news might be around one of these corners eventually. I'll hand things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli.
2: Thank you, Lucinda. And in What the Cluck News tonight, we're heading back to Missouri for a story that's at least going to compete for the most disturbing of the Missouri-based headlines Noah will cover tonight title. Uh, And what can only be described as an anti-abortion homage to the most PG-13 parts of Temple of Doom, Missouri (laughs) State (laughs) Representative Mike Moon posted YouTube's first political chicken snuff film this week. (laughs) You have never been more wrong or less a member of vegan Facebook groups. Oh, yeah, no, right, right.
0: (laughs) Wow. Who would have thought there'd be worse parts about being a vegan than veganism? (laughs) (laughs) Response videos already happening. Just Foghorn leghorn in a turban about to saw Mike (laughs) Moon's head off. (laughs) I like it. I like it.
2: Angelo, don't get any ideas. So (laughs) In the video, Moon is talking about being called back for a special session, even though it's chicken slaughtering season. And to underscore that point, he beheads the chicken he was holding while he's talking about God giving him dominion over life. And then, decapitated chicken corpse in hand, he starts talking about how he's going to the state capitol to protect unborn fetuses and promises to get to the heart of the matter. And as a sight gag, as he's saying those words... He pulls out the chicken's heart with his bare hands and presents (laughs) it to the camera like a fucking psychopath. So clever. Heart. (laughs) Heart, you know, get it? Does the matter? When a Facebook follower pointed out how gross the video was, Moon responded, quote, just think about how gross abortion is. And gross
0: is not the right. That's person. not the
2: problem if you have a problem I don't
1: think. Do they rip out its heart in an illustrative manner? I only watch the Carly the
2: <laughs> Arena videos.
1: I'm not
0: Oh, well yeah, sure. right. No, and and those ones Illustrative you mean like Kano doing a, a really slow step-by-step <laughs> heart rip from a fetus. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Fatality. They should have fatalities. Yeah, they no, have in,
2: in a Bortle combat, Barack has little coat hangers that pop out of his arms and everything.
1: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there were bay but I was always unsure if they if they killed the baby after they oh, turned <laughs> it into the baby, or did they like re-raise it as their own? and then kill it? <laughs> Mortal Kombat brings up a lot of questions, guys. Oh, man, they should have let
0: you do a babality and then a fatality to <laughs> no, the baby. Oh, they, they really like the, the, the spine thing, <laughs>
2: the tiny little God.
0: adorable spine scorpion. Oh. Right? That, was,
2: that was Sub-Zero.
0: Now, Sub-Zero, I should scorpion point the out that as graphic... Okay. Yeah, no, it was Sub-Zero. You did the fireface thing, right?
2: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Now, I should point out that as graphic as the video was, That's where my chicken comes from. So, you know, ripping the hearts out of the innocent isn't exactly a politically advantageous image or anything, but it's not inherently
1: evil. I mean, Peter Singer and I disagree, but whatever. I don't want to do this on the air.
4: Oh,
2: look at me. I'm Peter Singer. I was voted one of Australia's 10 most influential intellectuals for 2006. A list almost as exclusive as uh, our top 10 tallest lion tamers list. Fuck Peter Singer. Fucking hack. But luckily, the anti-abortion bill is touting as plenty evil enough to elicit agreement, even from preference utilitarians or hedonistic utilitarians or people like Peter Singer, who seem to waver back and forth between the two with insufficient regard to intellectual cohesion. That's right. I said it.
1: (laughs) All I know is he told me it's okay to kill a broken baby, and I'm getting to be that age. so <laughs> no, I actually I, I like Peter Singer quite a bit. I just really pushing those lemon I just, laws on Anna cause <laughs> I, I, I sit with a laptop on my lap all the time, and I'm not, I'm not gonna find out what foods it'll eat. I'm just gonna I'm, oh Jesus,
2: Christ. Just,
1: just in an illustrative manner, I'll be like, <laughs>
2: fatality.
1: <laughs> exactly. And in I'll be back news tonight, we all have different ways of dealing with the loss of a family member. Some of us gain 80 pounds, then lose 100, then gain 40 back. Some of us grind <laughs> away at a job in content creation. Some of us use humor to cover the ever spiraling despair they feel. Okay. I feel like these are all you. Maybe, Clearly. maybe. But in the case of Rock Church in Franklin, <laughs> Virginia, it's asking your congregation to pray
2: one of its members back to life. Oh, for fuck's sake. And y'all, be careful not to phrase your prayer in a monkey paw kind of way. We don't want him devouring the brains of living when he comes back and killing Herman Munster with a scalpel, now do we? Nobody wants it. (laughs) It was... They're an episode of the Munsters where someone killed
1: Herman
0: Munster?
2: TV was weird (laughs) when (laughs) you were a kid. Can I give you that payback? It was in Pet Cemetery. They killed Herman Munster. All
0: right, entire family who's all watching TV together. You want to watch Herman Munster get killed or these rainbow-colored bars? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, me too. Pet Cemetery. We love those bars,
1: damn it. (laughs) (laughs) Bars are underrated. (laughs) Yes. Last week, when Pastor Danny Dillon's brother Ben passed away at the ripe old age of 43, his reaction was not to grieve and get over the death, but to make a video asking his congregation and presumably everyone who watches the video to pray to literally bring his brother back to life, saying, quote, ever since Monday morning, we've been praying for resurrection when the paramedics were pumping his chest. When he was in the hospital and they announced his time of death,
2: we've been believing God for a miracle. And if this is striking you as horribly depressing, Mm, just hold on to that feeling for the next time somebody acts like it gives people hope somehow justifies something. Thanks, Obama. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Now, look, on the one hand, this is obviously incredibly tragic.
1: This is a young guy yeah. with young kids. And the point of this story isn't to make fun of grieving desperate people, but rather to point out that if you believe in prayer or allow people to believe in prayer unchallenged, there is absolutely no reason not to do this. Right. Well, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, this is an exaggerated example, but if you tell people prayer works, why on earth wouldn't they pray for the dead to rise? I mean, as Dylan points out in the video, Bible's pretty clear that it's possible. And while I know that when this is over, as Danny has already caveated, God wins either way. I wanted to take a moment as someone who's experienced grief and still does to say how fucking horrifying this image is. The image of this guy's wife praying for him to come back, and how ashamed everyone who is part of that exploitation should be.
0: Especially the ones that make money from it. Right. And finally tonight, from the O2 Soon file. That's really fucking funny. Nobody can see how you spelled it because they they don't know yet, but that's really fucking funny. Chemical notation subscript. Get ready. (laughs) O2 Soon file. According to a homicidally credulous article in The Sun last week, Some people don't eat food or drink water. Oh, uh, women in the first year you're dating. (laughs) (laughs) No, uh, they're called breatharians, and they claim to live off the pranic energy of the universe contained in air and sunlight. And apparently that's just fine if that's what you're into. Spoiler, it's not fine. You will die. (laughs) Also, they're liars. These people obviously (laughs) eat and drink if they're able to tell us that they don't eat... Or they're dead now. Some of those people are dead now. Or they just started doing the breatharian thing like I did like 10 minutes ago. I feel like it's the average down. person goes more than 10 minutes, Heath. I keep
2: saying that. I mean, your point's valid, but I think that's... I, <laughs> I mean, not the average again. one on this podcast. Keep in
1: mind, the the average person on this podcast eats a scotch-soaked vegan turducken filled with marijuana <laughs> once a year <laughs> at 4 a.m. for breakfast dinner. So, you know, we are not representative... <laughs>
0: <laughs> Our average is so interesting. <laughs> All right, so uh, the article in question focused on a married couple named uh, I don't give a fuck who claimed to be <laughs> living on a breatharian diet for the last nine years. But here's the thing they're they're not actually living off air and sunlight. They're no, just, they're just eating and drinking less, and they say that. But they go back and forth on it constantly. The interview was like. Wow, you guys really don't eat or drink? Yep, yep, just, just air and sunlight. So you don't eat or drink at all? Well, we eat, like, fruit and drink broth. But just, like, a little. <laughs> okay, we're done. This is, yeah, this right? is a dumb interview. Also, when you're not around, the occasional cheeseburgers. But no worries, we're
2: literally okay with you printing deadly advice based on our lie if it offers us an illusory patina of fame among stupid people for a few seconds. Jesus Terrible. fucking Christ. I mean, as someone who fell for the Uberman sleep schedule a few years
1: ago and had three very blurry, unpleasant days before Noah talked him out of it, I feel unqualified to comment. I just want to say people who live in glass houses know that you need to sleep and you can't take a series of 10 minute
0: naps or whatever the fuck I thought. Yeah, so... uh as far as I can tell, breatharianism, it's basically glorified anorexia w- with a bunch of religious nonsense being used to justify it. Terrible. Point being, it seems like nobody should have to say this, but uh, everybody should eat and drink. you think? Unless you have chloroplasts, you probably can't photosynthesize food. <laughs> and before you ask, no, you don't have chloroplasts. <laughs> nope. There
1: you go. <laughs> Sunflower pulls his headphones out on the subway, unsubscribed. <laughs> now people will think he stole my joke in ten weeks
2: when that episode Call of citation needed. Blackward. Uh,
0: <laughs> what happened?
2: No, I feel like this story could be true if they were like Metharians, but even that, even then <laughs> nine years
0: is a little long. Yeah. And uh in related news. Area Podcaster finally identifies his mortal enemies. <laughs> they're the opposite begins of the elaborate you. plan to eliminate the Bretherians faster than t- starvation was gonna do that anyway. <laughs> but until that's all taken care of, they're still here and talking to people and doing goddamn interviews. And we're certainly not letting them sit at our lunch counters. So they're gonna need their own. Let's put thirty seconds on the clock. Ideas for the Bretherian restaurant go. Oh um,
2: Jip Boatley's anorexican bar and grill. At least this one won't give you the shits. <laughs> um breathe in and out. <laughs> um Chucky Wheezes. <laughs> um the the bronky old country buffet, all you can't eat, and free chlor refills. Ooh. Ah, ah. I like Have it. Happy birthday, Adam. That was a
0: good one. I like Grana thylakoid. Nope. Um <laughs> What about uh, one biology guys love it? There's the, <laughs> granite the little stacks of the thylakoid. Yeah, two
1: more notation, more
0: notation. O two, O two. Diatomic. Okay. Um, what about uh, Fanda Express? Fanda says oh, yeah. walking on air. Yes. Not, they're walking. Air. Uh, how about uh, for some fast food? Lung John Silver's. There we go. Um, what about the gastro pub? <laughs> Solids and liquids are for suckers. Gastro pub. Yeah, the menu there sucks, but I love the
2: atmosphere. Um, thank you, thank you. The biology guy liked that one too. It was unrelated to the biology thing, but he liked that one. Uh, uh, capillaries, giant subs. No, no, no. Bucks. Ooh, <laughs> I like it. it. Well, we know they cheat,
1: so we need to account for that. How about inhale and hearty soups?
0: <laughs> <laughs> well done, sir. All right. Uh one more I got uh uh Wendy's no Wendy's Wendy's <laughs> it's, it's hip to be air. Oh this <laughs> is <there a> <laughs> yeah and, and if you're a night person, they're open hyperventilate. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> mm. <laughs> Ventilate if you're having night and airs.
2: air. Um. <laughs> and with that reminder as to why puns have such a high reputation for comedy we're going to close the headlines off for the night heath eli thanks as always you must be this tall to ride atheism and when we come back (laughs) marissa alexa mccool will be here to reflect on the absurdity of people who can't accept man to woman but are completely unfazed by cracker to man do you like diatribes Do you possess eyes? Well, introducing our newest project, Animated Diatribes now on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash no illusions we've teamed up with Angelo Madrid over at Madrid Tunes to give you the first taste for free but we'd love to make more happen so if you like what you see head over to patreon.com slash scathing atheist and get us to our brand new Patreon goal of extra animated diatribes and once again a huge thanks to Angelo who did an amazing job please take a moment to check out the video tweet it share it and tell your friends because god damn it it's got a crucified my little pony in it and now Back to the show. Really excited to welcome my next guest to the show. Marissa Alexa McCool is an author, a blogger, a speaker on both secular and trans issues, and still finds time to host a couple of podcasts somehow. She's the author of The PC Lie, How American Voters Decided I Don't Matter, and her fiction works include False Start and the upcoming novel Voice in the Dark, and when she's not writing, she also co-hosts a number of podcasts, including Doubting Dogma, The Are Getting Out of Hand, and The Inciting Incident podcast, and that's really just scratching the surface here, but if I listed all the shit she did in her intro, she would never get a chance to talk. So with that, I'm simply going to add, "Riss, welcome to The Scathing Atheist.
4: Thanks again for having me, Noah. Boy, I'll tell you what, I'm getting some
2: use out of the big lungs in that intro. Holy shit. That was like thanking donors at the end of a, a show right there. All right. So obviously there's any number of things that I could be talking to you about, but I invited you on to talk uh, specifically about an upcoming milestone for the inciting incident podcast. Uh, before we get to that, I want to talk a little bit about the show because the name doesn't tell you a whole hell of a lot. What is the inciting incident podcast?
4: Well, the name actually used to, used to describe what the show was about. Um, it started out as a film podcast. Uh, we we uh, got a spot with some uh, people at a at Penn, where I just graduated from, and Penn, not Penn State. Even people in that state mess it up. But um, the Ivy League one, guys, come on. Yeah, uh, I can't tell you how many times I was like, not the one where they touch little kids with the football coaches, <laughs> like you know, the one that Trump graduated from. Wait, well, yeah, old? right, right. No, they don't touch little kids. They do grab pussies on occasion, but uh, <laughs> it's a whole other thing. Yeah, so I—that's I, the only time I was really an elitist bitch because I was spending, <laughs> you know, how much money. So it was going to be like, I, at least tell me that I'm going to the right school that has a terrible reputation for a certain reason. Uh, so. The Inciting Incident podcast became a thing because uh, there's a film group at UPenn that was looking for contributors. And at this point, I had gotten really into podcasting because of someone who might be on this call. But I saw that as the opportunity. It's like I, I have a, I have a degree now. I, had, I was going toward a degree then. Uh, and one of the subjects is film. So the Inciting Incident, for those who don't know, is the moment in a film where, where the character has a choice afterward, he can either react to it or go home. So, you know, uh, Star Wars for an example, because I I don't understand the space battles, but I know story structure similar. You know, his uncle and aunt get killed. He has the choice to either avenge them or just do nothing. So that would be an inciting incident. Hmm. And we started out that way, but there was the fact that all the people I wanted to get on the show were secular podcasters. So it uh, it started to transform pretty drastically after a couple of episodes. But everything really changed when I came out about my gender transition. And that was both in the face of a hate preacher, which I covered on GAM when I was on, and on the show, which was shortly after. And the tone of the show changed from person is trying to be funny, but yet talk about serious things to... Holy shit, Donald Trump is president. What the fuck is going on? Look at all these other things that are going on.
2: I, I've been told we've gotten a little more serious since then, too. Yeah. <laughs> I can't
4: imagine why. It's not like there's a dumpster fire going on. No, I,
2: I will say, you know, I've, I've been on your to kind of reveal what an amazing circle jerk podcasting really is. <laughs> um, I was recently on your show and, and I've got to say, I've done quite a few interviews at this point of like, you know, come on, talk about your podcast, et cetera, et cetera. And not not as an insult to anybody who's ever interviewed me before, but those tend to be fairly formulaic interviews. And they're the same. You know, I, I'm i not faulting anyone because they're basically the same questions that I normally ask myself. So I'm a slave to that formula as well. Um But I want to say, like, you did a great job of sort of taking the conversation in new directions and, you know, trying to connect on an emotional level. And I think that's really awesome. That That's something that I think you do really well on your show. Is there anything other than that, that, and, and obviously your, your perspective, obviously we each bring our perspective to this, but is there anything else other than that that you really felt like you could add to the conversation?
4: Well, I I have a unique background, one that doesn't really uh, get confused for other people too much. I'm trans, I'm polyamorous, and uh, I'm pansexual and autistic. So like those four things alone pretty much give me a really unique perspective on the world. And the reason I'm able to uh, improvise conversations like that is because I'm a Shakespearean trained actor. Uh, That's something I did at Penn. And I've spent years in improv. So the idea of coming up with things off the top of my head is not unusual. But it's also because I used to be a professional wrestler. And there's a lot of improv in that too, except it involves getting punched sometimes. So like all of this cocktail of the neurodivergence of the way my brain works combined with the unique experiences I've had. And I'm an out trans woman, you know, six foot tall with purple hair. So I get treated differently than a lot of people do simply based on either experience or expectation. So I can affirmatively say that absolutely no one that I've ever met has ever gone, yeah, you're just like X.
2: Because- <laughs> well, I, I'm sure I, I'm sure that I, I speak for the entire audience when I say that's the first time I ever heard Shakespearean trained actor and former professional wrestler in the same like, you know, back to back sentences like that. Um, so, yeah, yeah. No, no question. You bring a different perspective. Um, all right. So now you've obviously you got a big milestone coming up. Episode number 100 is on the horizon. It's going to be another, what, if you do this weekly, 17, 18 years before you get to add another digit to the episode number after this? <laughs> uh, so, something like
4: that, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: W- w- what are you doing to mark the occasion?
4: Well, there's a special place in my life for the Carlisle Theater, and that's because that's where Aiden and I got, Aiden's my husband, who is a trans man, that's where we got married last year, and I kind of got to live out my dream wedding, which was to write a play and perform it as the wedding. So... When it came time to uh, have a live show, because right after your uh, GAM live show in Chicago, I was talking to someone we both know named Andrew Torres, who is never suggestive or has good ideas or anything and doesn't like to push his friends to do better. Never, never, absolutely never. I'm sitting there going, God, I wish I could do a live show. And he goes, why don't you do a live show? And I was like, yeah, why don't I do a live show? So I figured episode 100 would come in July. This is January at this point. And at that point, I knew I was graduating in the spring. And I was going to apply to grad school in uh, Minnesota, which is where I am now as of like last week. So I thought this would be a good way to celebrate everything that Inciting Incident has been and is going to be. And I rented out the theater and sort of reached out to my favorite people and said either said, "Hey, can you come on?" or "Hey, would you come?" And of course, you guys were the first one I reached out to because Aww. you you were my introduction into the skeptic community, and I we be, we've all become friends since then. So it was a it was a big deal to me to have you there. Uh, and then I reached out. To, uh, Andrew was in before I asked him because if 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 I say I'm gonna be doing a juggling act in a volcano, he'll be like, "Be there first thing, Chris," and then. Callie and Ari will also be there. Um, Tom Thomas is coming with uh, Andrew for open, representing opening arcs. But then, so I, I had previously done a Hail Mary pass to Chris Cluey to write the foreword to the PC lie. And I figured, why not try see if it works again? And I said, hey, you know, you were on a really important episode of our show, episode 67, because that was we recorded the night of election night and you can both hear two perpetually bubbly people get slowly, slowly more and more depressed. Uh-huh. So I reached out to him and said, would you come to the live show? Cause he has a, he has a card game, a role-playing game coming out. And I said, you know, you could promote that or whatever else you want. And he was like, yeah, sure. And that awesome. was it.
2: Awesome. And, and for those uh, who don't know, Chris is former punter, uh, in the NFL, he was uh, very outspoken about LGBT rights at a time when nobody in. Sp- I mean, it really, we're still in a time when no one in sports is, and he's just also a phenomenally funny guy. If you're a regular listener, you've you've heard Chris before, but um, that's that's awesome. And I and I will say, I, I hate to admit it, I'm I'm coming to meet Chris Cluey. That's going to be really awesome. <laughs> he's uh, pretty. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm going to pretend like that just didn't factor into it uh, for me at all. All right. So uh, so give us the specifics The you
4: are. So it's at the Carlisle Theater, which is in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Uh, it's about 10 miles south of Harrisburg, the capital. And it's July 14th. The way it's going to be set up is there's going to be a VIP meet and greet with all the guests, including some of the uh, non stage guests. But, you know, from four to six, we'll sit around, hang out and, you know, get a chance to meet everybody. And then it'll be broken up into two parts. Uh, First, I'll have Gathiest and Opening Args on. And then the second half, we'll have you guys and Chris Cluey on.
2: Awesome. Awesome. And of course, if you want to pick up tickets or find out more about Riss's voluminous work, you're going to find all the links you'll need on the show notes for this episode. Uh, Riz, is there anything else you wanted to plug
4: while I had you here? Sure. Um, I got a book coming out. It's my fourth since coming out. It's called Voice in the Dark. And uh, because I've kind of become a water protector with Flint, uh, a certain per- percentage of all sales for that go through me at riskmccool.com will go to help the Wolves Den in Flint. So I want to give them that shout out. And the book is, uh, I, I think it's really good. It's speaking on what it's like to speak out and the negative and positive consequences of choosing to do so, to use your voice. And you contributed um, I believe you read it for your patreon uh, supporters and also Dan Errol, Matthew O'Neill Karen Garst, Gleb Sapersky, and my friend Melina Barrett all uh, pitched in pieces for it because anytime I write a book other than Silent Dreams, which is just a short book of poetry and essays, I like to bring other people on it with me because I I learned from you and you learned this from Cogdis if you're if your stock is rising, you want to try to bring as much of the community as you can with you. So if I can expose other writers to, to new voices while also putting out my own, I'm more than happy to do that.
2: Awesome. Well, you don't hear it from me uh, very often, but
4: amen to that. Um, all right. <laughs> well, Riz, thanks again for your time. And I look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was really awesome to be on here. You bet. Before
2: we let that fry tag pyramid level off altogether tonight, I wanted to urge you to check out our YouTube channel or our Facebook page or our Twitter feed for a brand new animated diatribe from our good friend Angelo Madrid of Madrid Tunes of Christian movie bingo fame. It's one of my all-time favorite diatribes masterfully depicted with a bunch of awesome artwork complete with a crucified My Little Pony basically everything you ever hope for in a YouTube video. If you'd like to see more animated diatribes, share the fuck out of this one, and help us get closer to our animated diatribes goal by donating at patreon.com slash atheist. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show, The Skeptocrat, debuting at 7 a.m. Eastern on Monday. Our sister show's Hot Friend God-Awful Movies debuting the day after that, and our sister show's Hot Friend's Aerobics Instructor Citation Needed debuting at noon Eastern on Wednesday. Obviously, I'd be in a state of near criminal negligence if I didn't thank Heath Enright for all his wacky antics. I need to thank Lucinda Lusions for all her nutty shenanigans. I need to thank Eli Bosnick for his zany frolicsomeness. One more thanks to Riss, who also frolics zanily. Again, live show, podcast, books, etc., all linked on the show notes. And a quick thanks as well to Rachel from YouTube's very own The House of Atheists for providing this week's Farnsworth quote. So while you're on YouTube checking out that animated Dry Tribe, you can check out her channel as well, which will be linked in the show notes. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most prominent hominids, Tim, James, Lucas, Nick, Julie, The Price of Reason, Stephanie, Maleka, George, Ben, Zach, and Nathan. Tim, James, Lucas, and Nick, whose dicks are bigger than Jesus and the Beatles combined. Julie, The Price of Reason, Stephanie, and Maleka, whose masterful ninjutsu is the only thing standing between atheism and complete domination by the forces of Chuck Norris. And George, Ben, Zach, and Nathan, whose ejaculations are so massive they co-star Anna Del Torp and Christopher Yoner. And if you don't get that joke, it's your own fault for underappreciating Norwegian cinema. I offer no apologies. Together these twelve tremendously titillating totems of tender heartedness traded temporal treats to tangle with the terrifying tenants of the tabernacle and transmitted tidings of treasure tender to us by giving us money. Not everybody has the wherewithal or the spare withdrawal it takes to give us money, but if you do, you can make a per episode donation at patreon.com slash scathing atheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended ad-free edition of every episode, plus books and shit. Or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're holding on to your money until we need to start a GoFundMe for Eli's legal defense, you can also help us a ton in the meantime by leaving a five-star review on iTunes, Stitcher, Facebook, or wherever else they let you do shit like that. Legal services for this podcast are provided by the law offices of P. Andrew Torres, and our audio engineer is Morgan Clark, who also wrote all the music used in this episode, which was used with permission. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at (laughs) ScalingAtheist.com. Can you give me either that again or something different? (laughs) (laughs) The preceding podcast was a production of Puzzle and a Thunderstorm, LLC. Copyright 2017. All rights reserved.